it's almost the weekend. Hell yeah, it is almost the weekend. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. I'm here with my incredibly loud stomach. I apologize oh. if that comes through into the recording, but it's just, you know, stomachs, they're doing their thing. Uh, you do famously rest the, the microphone right on your stomach, so <laughs> gonna, I hope that it comes through. <laughs> I want the experience so. of being inside your belly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I'm afraid that experience is uh, an experience that only the chosen few can, yeah, uh, can yeah, have. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's T-minus t- uh, like 30 seconds and we've already like... <laughs> <laughs> gone deep into like vor, you know oh <laughs> uh, yeah no it's good to go off the rails it really takes straight away off. off the rails yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah it's immediately good. i think that's how all good conversations especially with strangers start you know just like you, <laughs> you open it with like hey what's it like inside your belly <laughs> and then oh you just God. you know you don't need to talk about the weather you can just straight away get to being yeah. best mates exactly what are your dreams and fears yeah, um, yeah yeah i'm good thanks man um yeah just you know had had a week the week passed i was there it happened yeah. um i actually i actually uh booted up a, a game that we talk about quite a bit i started playing alien isolation again ah right right Um, i was just feeling the the pressure of curiosity after all these years Mm. um and also i just kind of been feeling a little bit guilty about shitting on it heaps and not having played it for like nine years so i was like i should i should revisit and confirm and, and see what the deal is yes and did you were your suspicions confirmed oh boy yeah so i mean like you know i played this when it came out and i was far less discerning back then and i thought it was bad and now oh boy it's it's really not a good game hey like it's it's unfortunate though because it tries so hard it's like a a wounded puppy in a race like you want it to do well but it's just it's never gonna happen um yeah and it's 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 quite strange right because like you start you start this bad boy off and the aesthetics are great the sound design is incredible yeah Um, they really paid attention to the source material oh my god yeah you wake up and it's you know it's the the same kind of cryo sleep setup from the first alien and like yep. everything is the same you know it's like they copy pasted from the movie it is incredible um and yeah like they just they just throw it all in the bin like it's it's weird right because like i say aesthetics sound design but the atmosphere is terrible right. like they you, you don't see the alien for like an hour and a half two hours um and you just spend so much time backtracking and starting generators with no threat in sight and it's right. just so boring and it's right. like oh my god i can't believe like this is how you've started your game and again it's that like first hour but even longer in this case where if it's representative of the whole experience that's bad because the hour in itself feels bad to play like it's it's kind of a a lose-lose um but yeah so really keen to see the alien and it just takes ages for it to happen and to give you an idea of like how little tension there was there's this point 
where you like meet up with this character and they're like uh basically guiding you through the space station yep. um and they call you darling like four times and i hate uh. them and eventually they get uh, you that might be by design though you might supposed to not like them because they get done um but you, you you know they they get the ooze on them and then in a really kind of a quick edit they get stabbed by like you know the tail of the alien and then they disappear but you don't actually see the alien you just see like the tail tail. and then it it cuts away and um i'm like okay cool so like the the alien is is around and so i i like walk to this like tram station it's basically a tram stop and i call the tram and all this music starts up and the like the strings are going insane but like Mm -hmm. nothing is happening and i'm looking around i'm like okay not sure what i'm supposed to be like is should i be scared is there an alien in here and like the strings eventually stop and the tram arrives and i'm like all right and i go into the tram and it's like press a to go to the next stop and i'm like all right i guess this is just the next area and like i pick up my phone right because i'm just like oh you know i want to check a message or whatever and then i hear this stomping and the alien gets me and it's just like i thought it was so funny that the alien had been like introduced (laughs) without me really realizing it and there was so little tension that i like picked up my phone without pausing and i'm just like i i think i think this game has failed i I think (laughs) i don't think that's a good sign yeah it's it's a real weird one maybe i should play it too at some point but um Mm. yeah because i saw people tweeting about it the other day they were talking about how uh creative assembly the studio that makes the total war games uh, which are like high strategy you know multi-thousand unit strategy games um, right did this weird pivot and made the alien game alien isolation right you know like they went from a completely different perspective and genre to just like do this one one off and then just went back to doing um the normal thing strategy games again wow that's that's insane like what blows my mind most about that is like i mean yeah for me the the gameplay is is a total fail but that Mm. like alien isolation looks incredible like it's Mm. nine years old and the lighting and it's not like cell shaded but it's got this like extremely subtle just kind of like video gamey effect on right. on the aesthetics and it just makes it look it like everything pops you know yeah 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 it's it's amazing how it still kind of stands up and i think that's yeah it's, it's due to good lighting um, mm, mm. but yeah yeah i remember in our horror episode ash was talking about it when we were talking about like the prolonged you know before you see the horror thing uh, yeah yeah and uh yeah people really rate it you know that I, th- I think i saw in that same tweet thread someone the person saying like you know one of the greatest survival horrors of all time or something and i was like wow that's a that's a pretty big call i seem yeah. to remember it being okay but like i remember you got to a point where you didn't want to play it anymore and i was watching a friend stream it a little while back and it was, they were in the intro when you uh, have to stealth around some enemies and it just like it did a terrible job of showing where you had to go and i was like maybe this game isn't good yeah like i think it's it's really quite bad but mm. i'd love to hear your take on like the first hour and a half two hours because i just yeah. i just thought it was 
terrible. And like, it was, it was so irredeemable. I was like, man, because I've seen like, you know, people are doing like retrospective reviews and video essays where they review it now and they're like, this game is a masterpiece. Like it's a cult classic now. And I'm just like, that's kind of what got me interested in playing it again. Cause I was like, oh, maybe I was misguided. And like, if, if anything, I was, I was even more lenient. I played it. uh yeah yeah it's fascinating it's on game pass i assume yeah yeah it is yeah yeah right okay cool i'll check that out then yeah cool um, yeah yeah what about very you? strange very strange what about you dude what have you been up to man it's been my first week back at work so i've been like smashing it on the uh on public transport <laughs> and on the <laughs> being very tired from being back at work thing uh i haven't yeah. played a whole lot of video games um played my first game of hunt in a long time i didn't play over the holidays and so met up with work friends and was like hey we should play some hunt and so there's a new event on and um they've done a bunch of cool stuff with the event um and also just with the map so like there's this chance to get like a version of the map normally you get like day or night mode you know or morning uh-huh. Um, yeah. they've done this thing where they do like it's kind of twilight and the map is on fire and so there's like huge oh. patches of the map that are just like you can't walk into because it's there's fire there mm. um i mean you can it's, it's kind of like a fire maze so you can like run through the fire and and like um you know dodge in between it and stuff right right uh, sort of like a cornfield i guess like a very very hot cornfield and um <laughs> yeah it's, it's really cool and uh and it's, it seems to be like randomized in the pattern that it is on the map and it's quite loud so you it's got like a whole noise thing in that game you know like being near the fire makes your footsteps almost imperceivable oh that's awesome crickling and crackling yeah yeah um and yeah the event is kind of interesting too they've done this thing where they're like um the perks that you get uh they can be locked to a character. It's really hard to explain without actually playing the game, but the perks can be locked to a character and there's kind of like um, a way that you get the perk without having to buy it. Just through playing the game, it sort of unlocks it on that character. Oh, kind of like the original Skyrim system where you just like level up the thing by doing yeah, the thing. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good way of putting it. So yeah, you get these points during the game, which you get just through collecting clues and killing bosses and enemies. Uh-huh. And um, as you get these points, they sort of unlock that you predetermined earlier on with that character and there's this one perk that if you get makes it so that when you die you don't lose your hunter and Mm. so yeah you just like get that perk and then you never have to buy a new hunter you can die and lose all your gear but you just keep the hunter and so yeah and then the upgraded version of that perk is so it's it's kind of unrelated to that but it's up it's an upgraded version um and it's uh enemies don't see you they can hear you but they don't see you and so you can just run through the maps without having to get attacked by any any npcs wow that's fucking Mm. wild i feel like that update is changing the game in like many ways (laughs) you know like i feel like if you take away someone's ability to see and hear you like that is that is a kind of uh you know change in the game that i wouldn't have expected they would make yeah, same with the keeping of the hunter thing. You know, that's like a huge part of the economy of right. how people play that game. And so right. you can just keep... And that's like the low version of the perk, you know, the easy-to-get version. Right. So people that's... are just like, yeah, prestiging with one hunter. It's crazy. That's that's cool, though, because, um, I mean, like, I, I think I would probably enjoy the stress that came with that 
mm. roguelike feeling of permadeath around a hunter, but like, you know, not everyone might find that attractive and it's cool that, you know, you can get a perk that's easy to get and not have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's pretty cool. There's a bunch of other perks. I can't remember what they do though, but, um, and they also added an item a little while ago before this event, which is like a beetle and you can, uh, like throw the beetle and go into the beetle's point of view, sort of like a, what are they called in Game of Thrones? A warg or a warg or something? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the, um, like the little robot spiders from Minority Report. Yeah. Yeah. You just like see through their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Um, yeah, and you can fly around, and it's got a range, which is pretty generous. It's quite a large range, and it sort of makes noise so people can hear it. Um, so they know they're being watched and, and can shoot it down and stuff. But you can also, like, fly at an en- or at a person and explode. So you hold down a button and <laughs> poison I've, them. Dude, I've got to say, of all the games I hear you talk about, none sound as cool as Hunt. Yeah. You know, like, all the concepts and, like, updates they put into that game just are so damn cool. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once you're on in PC land, I'd love to give it another go with you once you're able to not deal with the the shit show that is hunt on console yeah yeah i mean i yeah it's one of those things where i liked it all in theory but in practice it was almost unplayable yeah yeah which is on console i think is is kind of the story um, right right yeah the oh god anyway um, <laughs> so yeah i played i played that a little bit uh and i haven't been playing anything else uh yeah nothing dude i've no. just been getting home and resting <laughs> yeah fair going to bed extremely fair well uh as part of your recuperation do you want some protein to get those uh, muscles back in order absolutely yep feed the feed me the protein all right all right i got i got three wads of protein right here wads uh <laughs> first wad um so we got the uh we got that new dead space remake uh dropping on the 27th of january mm-hmm. and uh if you're a pc jockey it comes with Dead Space 2 if you buy it on Steam, which is oh. just the the bee's knees. Um, and fair warning, that's great and all, but fair warning, apparently the Steam version of Dead Space 2 has all of the weapons auto-unlocked, and it hasn't been updated since 2013. And, like, not being updated is fine, it's probably going to run or whatever, but, like, all the weapons being unlocked from the get-go is, like really takes away from that core experience because yeah, the there's hell? there's like an economy and a pacing to like you know like there's some really powerful weapons that if you had in the early game would basically make some of the account encounters kind of menial yeah, um, right. so fans are recommending the the you know you get that legit copy to stay ethical but you pirate it for the for the bona fide experience right um, that's so we, weird like surely yeah. there's just an op oh that's weird uh, they should patch that straight away like what the hell like that doesn't yeah. make any sense yeah i think maybe because like from memory the studio closed down like not long oh. after dead space 3 dropped right so like they may have updated it done one last update and then like everything got shut off so like yeah, I don't, I don't know how it works with, like, pre-ordering the new one. Like, maybe they will update it after all this mm. time. But, like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, I just, I just thought it was interesting that, like, you know, for this game that isn't that old, you know, like, Dead Space 2 is 2011. And, like, to, to get 
the original experience you have to pirate it if you're on pc like that was just a bit of a weird concept for me extremely strange yeah where did you play it last time you played it on the xbox Oh, on xbox it's on game pass everything is on game pass <laughs> yeah all right so can you just not play it on game pass on pc um yeah i think you can but this is just because if you um buy the new dead space on steam you get uh, the steam oh, you version just get of it. dead space oh, right. 2 yeah right so i wonder like, if the pc version of dead space 2 also has that issue yeah, I'm not sure. Well, when I played it on Xbox, it was emulated, so oh, oh. it was it was like ideal, right? Because you're just playing the original version on an emulator. Um, whereas, like, I don't think the PC version is emulated. Yeah. Right. Okay. Interesting. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a strange. that's a thing. Yeah. Um, wad of protein number two. <laughs> Uh, so apparently Ubisoft is facing slower sales than expected and, um, they've apparently cancelled three unannounced games, um, which is like, I kind of found that funny because it kind of felt like, you know, you're on a date with Ubisoft and they're negging you. Like they're trying to get you interested by being negative and it's just Uh, like, yeah, sure. Three unannounced games, whatever Ubisoft. Yeah. Um. So, they're planning a $200 million downsize in production Ugh. costs. Um, yeah, right. Which is, you know, fairly substantial. They made um, they made just over $2 billion in revenue in 2022. So, like, a, a 10% downsize for their 2022 revenue is no small bite to the biscuit. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> it's so yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Like, is that not enough? Like, that's pretty good revenue. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know what I, I don't have their running costs here or anything like that. But yeah, yeah it, it does seem a bit, uh, a bit crazy when they're not, you know, sales are slowing and so they shave off like quite a big portion, like two hundred million dollars in production costs is, you know, substantial. Yeah, uh, and like I assume they're going to be focusing on their mainstays, you know, like their sequels and stuff, or like Assassin's, you know, Assassin's Creed, and, yeah, 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 all that stuff. Yep, totally. And like, I don't think we've seen a kind of uh, smaller release from them in a really long time. You know, like mm. in the, I don't know what you the twenty tens in the twenty tens, like we saw Child of Light and grow home and like these kind of yeah. little ubisoft experiments and like They're man great. child of light is pretty good um so yeah it's a it's a bit of a pity not to see some of the smaller stuff um keep going on but yeah maybe they just decided it wasn't profitable yeah i mean yeah i, I have a, an animator friend who worked for ubi in france and on one of those smaller games Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I can remember from what he was talking about when I saw him last, um, he was saying like, there's a, a lot of like mismanagement and like weird, um, what am I trying to say here? Like a lack of knowledge in some of these smaller teams. Oh, right. So I don't know how that happens with a company like Ubi. Surely you've just like made so many games that it's kind of just like, you kind of just have the process down. I would assume. Yeah, you've uh, got yeah. the blueprint. 
yeah in terms of production that you would just be like oh we've kind of made every game at this point <laughs> so, <laughs> so we just like retrofit this like you know version of production to accommodate for this all smaller size of game and then we know what kind of talent we need and then we can hire or fire or whatever it takes to get that product done yeah. um it seems strange that you would i would hear stories from you know producers that don't know what how certain roles operate which is the case for this person so yeah uh, well yeah. i mean if if there's bad management and high turnaround like there's no kind of consistency to to get those blueprints in place so mm. like yeah i mean I, i'm just speculating i don't, yeah, I don't yeah. know the story at all but yeah I, I can see just from experience seeing bad management result in all that kind of stuff totally totally yeah okay well that's a shame i hate missing out on that's you know these games that may be so close to being done and <laughs> it's such a yeah. shame to be like oh it's just like something really cool we could have potentially missed out on yeah yeah 100 yeah. percent. like yeah i agree um all right so so final final water protein and like i think we haven't talked about this yet but this might be reheated chicken i might be giving you leftovers i'm not sure that's anyway right. Uh, Razer are getting in on the portable gaming market. So my hopes that all consoles will copy the Nintendo Switch are coming to fruition. Um, We got the Razer Edge debuting on the 26th of January in the US. Edge. Um, The Edge, yeah. Uh, Prices start at 400 US. However, that's quite cheap. Yeah, that's quite cheap. That's quite cheap. However, however, there's a big drawback. Um, it's basically a big Android phone, oh. so it can't run AAA games natively. Um, so if you're wanting to play any games that aren't on like the Android Play Store or the Google Play Store or whatever it's called, um, you've got to like stream them. Oh, okay. It's a streaming device. Oh yeah. There's a few of those around. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Right. So yeah, I, um, this, this whole concept of like, having a console that can't play AAA games is very new to me. Mm. Like, I can't... I It's... I mean, yeah. It's hard for me to imagine why anyone would want this over a Steam Deck or a Switch. Yeah. I, I mean, if you're in a country where the internet is as plentiful as um, our issues with our internet, then <laughs> I'm sure it would be slightly more appealing, you know? Like, if you can just stream you know, gigabits of, of data down at any given second, then streaming right. is like a potential thing, but uh, here, not so much. So it's just right. like a kind of like a non, you're just like, oh, I just, I won't buy that then. Unless you yeah. really like playing mobile games, in, in which case you have your phone. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess I just can't imagine it. Like, I, yeah, if streaming was so good that there was no latency, then I guess that would be amazing really but yeah i don't know like a portable device i just like streaming is nowhere near at that level in australia in our homes like Mm. i can't imagine trying to stream when i'm on a train or something yeah true that's it's the other thing too i i I imagine there's like places where you could stream from you know like cafes or whatever or yeah yeah at work Mm -hmm. but um yeah just out and about i don't know any places that have that kind of infrastructure 
Um, the other thing as well is these consoles are often marketed as instead of being a triple A thing, it's more like a play, uh, like a, a bunch of emulators on here style thing. Yeah, totally. And I think in the in the article I read, they they did mention that you know it's going to be able to run Switch emulators and that kind yeah, of thing. Okay. Yeah. And it's man, it's again kind of similar to like pirating Dead Space Two to get it to work properly. I've seen like these Switch emulators running the latest Pokemon game better than the Switch. And yeah. it's, it's, dude, it's so weird. It's so weird yeah. to be in this time right now where it's like, oh, you want the best experience? Well, the best experience is free. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, yeah. very strange. It is extremely weird times. Um, yeah, I, I actually got to play a Steam Deck uh, the other day, dude. Oh, no shit. How was yeah, it? Yeah, my friend at work, Arden, got one uh, from that um, sale that I sent you. Yeah, yeah, right. I can't remember where exactly she got it from. I don't know if it was Dick Smith or one of the other ones. I think it was um, Catch. Right. Um, but yeah, dude, it's bizarre seeing one in the flesh, uh, in yeah. the tech flesh. There's the- like... Uh... <laughs> the tech flesh. All right, it's gone. <laughs> Simmer down over there. <laughs> um, yeah, they're quite um, large, like compared to a Switch. You pick it up and you're like, oh my God, you know, it's like quite a, a beastie, beastly piece of thing to hold right okay um the control like the actual way you hold it feels quite good uh (laughs) like the form factor is good it feels nice in your hands the buttons are nice the ui is snappy and responsive i couldn't quite figure out how to use the touchpads but i'm sure like if i fiddled with it for more than you know five minutes then i'd figure Mm -hmm. it out Mm -hmm. um screen is good if a little small i kind of felt like i immediately wanted to put it in a dock and play games on a tv right interesting yeah and so that yeah that was probably the most standout thing that i thought in looking at pictures it feels like the screen would be bigger but when you have it in your hands it's just like you know kind of smallish right okay um it is a nice resolution screen though really nicely backlit and high res and all that sort of stuff Mm, delicious Um, yeah yeah it's a very very like when i put it down i was like that's such a fancy toy you know (laughs) yeah it's kind of one of the fanciest toys you can buy Uh, right so it makes yeah. sense that it's at I the mean, price point that it's at. Yeah, I mean it is pretty expensive. I just yeah. I just love that we're we're on this trajectory where a bunch of consoles are available in that form factor. Cause like for me the Switch is just the best console, not so much because of like the game library it has, but just because of its design. Like mm. I love that you can take it anywhere and throw it on the TV and it takes like two seconds. Yeah. That shit that shit makes me feel so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I had um, my Switch with me for Christmas at home and like my dad was like, oh, we should play Mario Kart. Oh, but I only got two controllers. And I was like, oh, that's fine. I'll just rip the controllers off mine, plug them into yours. And now we got four. Like, it's so (laughs) easy, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. There was no like mucking around trying to sync them or anything. You just plug them in and press a button and you're done. Like, And then you put the Switch on the TV and now everyone's looking at the TV. It's great. It's just like, it's how games should be. Yeah, it's. I was thinking about this the other day. Actually, it's. There's no better time to get into video games. It's just so cheap and accessible. Mm. And mm. like, man, yeah. I think I. I think about that whenever like I boot up the the Xbox that I bought recently. That like I got for two hundred and eighty dollars second hand, and I've got Game Pass on that thing, and it's just mind blowing that you can spend like. 
that amount of money, pay a monthly subscription, and you've just got, like, a library of 400 games. Like, what mm. the fuck? If someone said that to us 20 years ago, we'd be like, <laughs> are you insane? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cost is uh, extreme. I mean, it's it's good that, that there is that option there for, like, people who want to spend less as well, right? Like, mm. if you don't want to have the new game on release and even if sometimes with game pass you do get the new game on release which is kind of the crazy thing about it but yeah if you want to just like not spend four thousand dollars on a pc and yeah. uh and a bunch of games on a steam library then you can just totally buy a 280 dollar xbox and and have every every game you kind of ever want to play with game pass it's pretty yeah. pretty good it's madness that's pure madness yeah yeah um, uh, i actually have an extra piece of news here would you like to oh, hear it yeah absolutely so it's not video game related, but and it's also com- like it's completely left of field for this pod. But I, I was reading about <laughs> it this morning and I was kind of blown away just by the stats. You know, I love oh, stat, Darian. All right. Oh, yes. Yeah, stat. All right. Let's hear it. So this is from a freshly published, um, uh, unclassified piece of US documentation about UFOs. Oh, okay. Yep. yep and yep, yep. Uh, I don't normally like, you know, I don't really prescribe to like the whole, you know, like, oh, the aliens are here kind of whatever tinfoil hat style stuff, but I, it was filled with chunky stats. And so I was like, let me just see what the deal is. Just yeah. surprise, I mean, surprise me, unclassified document. I, I love how America fetishizes UFOs as well. Like yeah. it's extremely attractive. Those really fucking shit kind of documentary shows where people like I saw the brat out in the sky like yeah, I love that yeah. shit so much it's so yeah. entertaining have you seen uh, Skinwalker Ranch Skinwalker Ranch uh, no but excellent name yeah yeah um, so I thought Skinwalker Ranch would be about skinwalkers but it's actually about <laughs> Are we skinwalkers? I mean, we have to no. walk. What does yeah. that even mean? You've never heard of a skinwalker before? So shut down the video game podcast. We're now talking about <laughs> <laughs> cryptids. This is the cryptid podcast. Oh, shit. Okay. I mean, I only know about those because of Disco Elysium. Like, ah. I, I didn't realize they were actually real. Oh, not real, but, you know, they they had a following in real life. Uh, skinwalkers or cryptids? Cryptids. Okay, cryptids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, dude, the cryptid scene. Um, so, yeah, this is now, it's almost the cryptid. The <laughs> it's almost the cryptid. I feel like I'm turning into a cryptid. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yes, a skinwalker is like this, uh, oh, dude, it actually goes back into like um, Native American mythos. Oh, so okay. okay. It's, it's, it's this kind of um, witch ritual where people who... Uh, want to become witches like make a deal with the nature basically to make a deal with the forest and oh, um, become a mortal and in doing so can sort of transform into any creature and any person that they like but they're oh. also just like these mindless kind of zombie things oh uh, man i love that that sounds like a, a monster out of the witcher universe yeah 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 um and so that they are like really appealing to like modern day horror settings because, or like horror stories, creepy pastors, mm-hmm. um, because of this sort of like, you know, um, uncanny valley style representation that they often take. So like right. people will tell these stories about <clears throat> going camping with their friends and like the friend will go out to the bathroom or whatever. And then they'll hear their friend screaming or what they think is their friend screaming. And they go out there 
and their friend is kind of just standing there in the middle of the road, eyes wide, and then just chilling. They're just standing there kind of unnaturally. Oh, I think I have read a couple of, like, creepypasta stories yeah. about this kind of thing where, like, a group of Americans go camping yeah. and, like, at one point, you know, they notice there's one more person around the fire yeah. or something like Another that. Another person. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Or two and of the same person, you know. It's like, why yeah. is Jerry here and here? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. stuff okay. like yeah. that. But there's a lot of that. And there's also, like, um, you know, weirdly large dogs and stuff like that on caught on camera, which is pretty much just, they're just wolves or whatever. But they're, yeah. they're all furless and weird and they're running along the side of the road, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's kind of okay. a skin walk, skinwalker adjacent stuff. Okay, yeah. All anyway. Right. I'm with you. I'm with so, you. So, so we got this <laughs> unclassified document. <laughs> Wait, Which is it related to skin? No, it's related no, to UFOs. Because I talked about Skinwalker Red. Oh, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Which is a Netflix series or a Disney series you can watch, Disney Plus, um, oh, which shit, is about okay. this ranch where a bunch of alien shit happens. Anyway, we won't talk okay. about that anymore. All right, all right. The document. Um, You've got a document. I've got a document here. I just screenshotted a section of it because I, I like the juicy stats held within. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just going to read it verbatim. <clears throat> all right. Um, so si since its establishment in July 2022, Aero, which is the um, US uh, freshly formulated department for looking after um, UAPs, which is the new term for UFOs. Oh, okay. Um, has formulated and started to leverage a robust analytic process against identifying UAP reporting. Once complete, Aero's final analytic, analytic findings will be available in their quarterly reports to policymakers. Aero's initial analysis and characterization of 366 newly identified reports which is, you know, UFO reports, informed mm -hmm. by multi-agency process, judged more than half of the ex exhibiting unremarkable characteristics. So these are the, you know, this is what they found after looking into these 366 reports. Mm -hmm. 26 of them were characterized as unmanned aircraft or, you know, drones, basically. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 163 were characterized as balloons or balloon-like entities. So mm -hmm. whether, whether balloons are unremarkable. And six were attributed to clutter, which I guess is just like stuff floating around in the uh, upper atmosphere that is, you know, just garbage, basically. Mm -hmm. um, initial characterization does not mean positively resolved or unidentified. This initial characterization better enables Aero uh, to efficiently and effectively leverage resources against the remaining 171 uncharacterized, uh, unattributed UAP reports. So there's 171 reports just from uh, their formulation in July 2022 to now of 171 UAPs, UFOs that were cited. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Some of these uncharacterized UAP appear to have demonstrated unusual flight characteristics or performance capabilities and require further analysis. Um, regardless of blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. There's 171 that they saw since July, <laughs> which are just like, well, these things fly around. Um, <laughs> and we don't know where they are. And they're not balloons and they're not drones and they're not clutter. What are they? Um, and I thought that was like a really large number. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that's really great. Oh, those stats are so good. I bet the, the UFO, oh, what, what, what did you say the new term was? Uh, UAP. UAP. I bet the UAP community is fucking losing their minds right now. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. I love, I love every now and again, like I just dip my gross little toes into weird communities and like yep. look through their posts and I'm like, oh man, this is so, I don't know. It's just so fascinating. Like the, the human psychology behind yeah. their communities is almost more fascinating than like the things they think they see. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Um, I think UAP, I uh, might be wrong here, is Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Right, and that, that's... The fact that they renamed it from UFO as well is like this whole big conspiracy, you know, like <laughs> the yeah, UFO I mean... people are like, oh, they're calling it this other thing to distract us from the fact they got UFO, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. Like it, there's nothing anyone can do in that space without it being labeled a conspiracy. Like yeah, something know, as yeah. fucking basic as changing the acronym like it's yeah. a conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the report was largely unremarkable apart from those stats. The, the sort of findings were like, hey, action items should be try to try, like, you know, we need to like basically map where they're frequently seen and try not to have aircraft go through there so that they collect quote unquote them. In other words, to crash into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the fine, like the final part of the document. There's, a, there's supposedly another document floating around or that is still classified that uh, goes further into details about like the flight patterns of these particular 171. Uh, UAPs, but yeah. Anyway, cool stuff. Wow, there you go. It's almost yeah. the cryptid. You heard almost it here the first. cryptid. Yeah, new segment. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not a new segment. I can't keep that up. <laughs> oh, shit. So well, that was very entertaining. Thanks for that. Uh, no worries, man. No worries. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I I thought it was entertaining and interesting as well. Totally. So, would you like to hear about our topic this week? Survival games. Oh, yeah, I'm so keen on this. And I'm especially keen because you've got the topic as history of survival games. Like, there's no mm. there's no fucking around where we're coming in with the straight facts this time. So, it's funny you mention that because I actually originally wrote the history of survival games, thought it was largely unremarkable, and then decided to do some more research and write some stuff up about it. So, it's not just <laughs> the, the <laughs> history. Okay, cool. All right. So, here we go. You ready? I'm strapped ready. In. I'm I'm strapped in. All right, got those. <laughs> got those. What did you call them? Protein wads. Got those protein the wads weighing me down. Yeah, yeah. Weighing me down. You don't. Well, you won't float away. Oh, uh, okay. So the theme of survival. I've, I'm just going to read what I've written here. Uh, All right. I've written up a little thing. The theme of survival is attractive for a variety of reasons. Sort of like a mini human simulator, we love to manage and look after Barbie-like a life form. Somewhat like a low-stakes baby, but a fictional adult instead. I love low-stakes babies. <laughs> that's definitely something I'm into. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where I'm headed with this. Um, <laughs> with all the trimmings and trappings of regular life, things like hunger are managed by eating stuff from the floor or through murderizing freaks and munching on their flesh. Or totally. sanity can be managed through getting enough sleep and taking pills to avoid seeing things outside your comprehension. Mm, shout out to uh oh shit i forgot the game don't starve don't starve yeah the sanity meter um yeah yeah sanity meters is a whole other thing that i really want to get into at some point yeah um yeah uh, we even get to fulfill our dream of building a house to protect us from a world that seems to be doing its level best to free us from our mortal coil at its nearest opportunity Mm. the closer we seem to get to the end of the world in real life the more interested we seem to be in playing these kinds of games Almost like we're becoming a gentle prepper. Uh, we gently pat our anxiety on the head and make soothing noises. Oh my god, I love that. A gentle prepper. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very visceral image for me. Yeah, very uh... good. Uh, survival games also capture the part of our imagination that when we see Bear Grylls do his thing, we think, well, if we push, if push came to shove, I could probably do that stuff too. <laughs> Um, and then there's this TV series that I wanted to talk about called Alone. Have you ever heard of this? 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's Andrew's favourite TV show. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so this TV show, you can watch it on SBS, I think, uh, through the website. And uh, yeah, it's about this team of, uh, not team, but this group of 10 people, uh, reality TV styles, survive in the wilderness, not like survivor, but actual survival, um, try to survive for as long as they can. And they have a TV crew sort of following them around, looking at the, the way that they try to survive. Yeah, and the I mean the main draw is that it's in Alaska, right? Like yeah, it's in yeah. the fucking deep north where you know it's minus forty every day. Yeah, it's truly fucked. Like there's um the, there's all sorts of rules, you know. Like you have a little radio with you that when you surrender you have to call, um, but obviously they can't get to you right away because you're all alone out there. So you have to kind of take that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, you can bring a variety of items with you. I think, I don't know. I can't remember what the rules are. It's something like you bring five items and a couple of food items or something to sustain you. There's all sort of points that you have to spend or something to do with the, the level of items that you can take. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. I think you can like spend all your points to get, you know, like a good knife or something, or you can get like a couple of bad knives and some chocolate, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. Yep. Um, Oh yeah, I just wanted to mention that because that's it's kind of like the real version of survival that is actually being done out there by people, not just totally. That I think totally. is really cool. And that that like point system when it comes to the resources you can take with you is super video gamey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it, it even sort of like lends itself to being a cool video game, you know, like a competitive cooperative, or not cooperative, um, competitive survival game. Mm, totally. Um, so further. We go through my little write-up here. Um, <laughs> we, as modern humans, with our Game Boys and water on tap and food in plastic and entertainment portals, seem to yearn for a challenge, something that takes us away from all of this modernity, mundanity, labor, taxes, drudgery, and service to a greater good. We find ourselves thinking, what if I bought a plot of land and a few portable buildings with solar on the roof and seeds to last the apocalypse and brought a few friends along? Perhaps we could fashion some kind of life off the grid style thing that would surely be better than whatever this is. Bro, I was catching up with a group of friends yesterday and we were talking <clears throat> about this exact thing, right? Yeah. We, were, we were talking about all the AI stuff and uh-huh. you know how it's just kind of spiraling out of control at the moment, but yeah. also how this is like the beginning of the AI stuff. Yeah. And we were just like, man, that um, that cabin in the woods is looking mighty appealing at the moment. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like, yeah, kind of do set me up for a combo deal. I'll take the uh, vasectomy cabin in the woods, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've always thought about like, oh, what if I bought a house in rural Japan and just like traded potatoes with my neighbors for the rest of my life? Like, that would be pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, not doing the full survival thing, but just sort of, eh, you know outliving the apocalypse in, or not you know not outliving but living out the last of the apocalypse away from where all the chaos would be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um <clears throat> uh, where was i um yes uh oh i didn't finish my last sentence so perhaps we could fashion some side of some kind of life off the grid style life that would surely be better than this uh whatever this is and then we order some uber eats and watch the new puss in boots movie <laughs> that's exactly what you did isn't it, it after is. writing that sentence <laughs> <laughs> we didn't order Uber Eats but we did watch Push Up Eats um, uh, survival games right. hand us a version of this life something that our brains can retrofit those urges onto and fulfill there is a good reason uh, the urge to start up that Minecraft server with your friends again comes yearly 
Mm. They, they give us this opportunity to say to ourselves after beating them that if worse came to worse in real life, we'd quote unquote, have this covered probably. <laughs> uh, some sort of meter that if left untended, oh uh, wait. Okay. So no, that's it. That's my writer. That's my writer. The last part was some random notes that I had. So um, there's a couple of things that when I was thinking about uh, survival games that seem to be ubiquitous and sort of a, in a weird sort of mix and match kind of way. Okay. Um, and maybe you can add to or take away from or whatever this list. So y yeah, yeah. Most survival games that I see have this, uh, you know, like a meter, right? That if left untended becomes the way that you die, you know, like hunger or thirst. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also have the ability to craft. Uh, oftentimes they have some kind of open world and mm -hmm. base building. Yep. Um, so I, I was thinking like, well, what if you took away, you know, open world, would it still be a survival? Yeah, probably. What if you took away base building, would it still be open world? Yeah, most likely. What if you took away crafting, would it still be, you know, you can kind of take away one or more of these things and you're sort of left with uh, an open world, oh, sorry, a, uh, a survival game. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's really broad in a sense, but like, you know, when you're playing a survival game, if that makes sense, like it doesn't mm. sound like that it, like a survival game is actually made up of that many mechanics, but like, yeah. you know, when you load up Minecraft compared to Fortnite, like it's just, you know, this Apparently. is a survival game. And even though Fortnite has base building, all that kind of stuff, that shit ain't a survival game. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so there's sort of this, yeah, like a bit of an unknown factor to some survival games where it's like, oh, this is clearly survival, but I'm not sure why. Um, mm. And I think it's like if it has one of these things. I, I wrote it down here saying you could boil it down to having at least character management and crafting or open world or building. So, you know, it, mm. you kind of need at least a part of one of those things to in order to, but it's still kind of hazy, my, my definition. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like I have that much experience with survival games, honestly, but mm. crafting is probably in all the survival games that I have played. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Crafting seems to be across the board uh, in survival. I'm trying to think of other games where you craft stuff. I mean, Alien Isolation has crafting, right? Like you combine items to make <laughs> other items. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, and like uh, the menus in that game are fucking cool. Like yeah. they're yeah. all they kind of look like um what do you call it? you know like the the kind of diagrams of electrical components yeah like that's what yeah. the crafting menus look like and it's very cool and yeah i mean i guess yeah the, I, I didn't think of it because it's so it's like survival horror right and for yeah. some reason that doesn't feel like a survival game. Like you're not managing thirst or hunger or anything like that, but mm. you are crafting and you are surviving. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think there's this other part of survival games as well, which is kind of like the economy, you know, like there's, if you have a meter, uh, it's not just about like having the meter. It's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm thirsty now, but I can probably wait until later to drink. And then, mm. and then you're like, oh, I should have got water when it was before because now I'm really going to die and I have mm -hmm. to drink the, drink the dirty water like in Grounded or whatever. Yeah, yep, um, yep, yep. So, yeah, it's sort of like you're constantly in a battle with the, with the systems and, and it's just always an ongoing thing. Mm. Yep. 
Um, and there's joy in like in grounded, you know, when you like build the thing that makes water for you every morning, and so you don't have to worry about that as much. Mm, yeah. yeah, well, survival games, at, at least the ones I've played, tend to be really good at that sense of progression, mm. where it 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 starts you off and you have nothing, you know, you're just running around like grabbing plant stems maybe you can make an axe or something like that mm -hmm. um and yeah you don't have any systems in place when you start that allow you to kind of access food and water easily for example and yep. then so like it just it's just kind of an obvious uh next step to start developing those things and yeah usually that comes in the form of crafting something that allows you to like you know, harvest water or like grow root vegetables or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the other part, which I find really cool as well is like the shelter part, which comes in, I think really interesting and strongly in Minecraft or at least original Minecraft, you know, if mm -hmm. you've never played it before and you sort of mess around until night nighttime happens and then a bunch of freaks come out of the woods to murderize <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, you quickly learn that you should have built a shelter and you usually spend the next day like trying to chop down trees to build a little house so that you can avoid the freaks in the night. Um, so, and yeah, that seems to be the case with a lot of other survival games, you know, like things come out at nighttime. And so uh, right. you have to watch out for that. There's this yeah. game called, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the something. <laughs> oh that's funny yeah okay the something the something where mm -hmm. um instead of a night time it has day night but it, it's more like a um a, it's like a, they call it the blood moon which happens like every 14 days or something um where all of the zombies in the game go like superpower and really fast and like terrifying oh okay and the blood moon usually lasts like a full day so you have to like get ready you spend like you know that two weeks kind of preparing for the blood moon or making sure that when it happens that you'll be safe because mm -hmm. um, it is really full on uh, right that's crazy. cool yeah that's kind of like i mean sounds like a mixture between the blood moon from breath of the wild and the the night uh sections from dying light yeah 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 i like i like it when they do like little twisties on the uh on the on the format that that make it kind of cool i think that's what you mentioned when we were talking about um survival games with ash you know like it's cool when there's a twist like it's not just like survival on its own which is mm. which can be kind of boring if the systems aren't that interesting or or there yeah, is no yeah. twist it's just like oh i guess this is this is just a survival game yeah um which there seems to be heaps of for some reason yeah um so yeah I, i've got a little bit of history here all right uh travel back with me to 1982 oh hell yeah 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 the atari is selling really good in the us and this game called survival island comes out uh it had hunger it had thirst no um shit. yeah so it was kind of as far as i could tell the one of the earliest instances of those mechanics being used in a game yeah right 1982 that's that's pretty damn early yeah i'm yeah. i'm already thinking like how are we gonna make it to doom in 1993 how is <laughs> yeah. this going to be related to doom but this might be the first time doom doesn't get a mention doom does not get a mention oh my god uh 1985 oregon trail came out oh yeah classic yeah i never have you played it yeah yeah we talked about that before 
on the pod. One of the topics mm. was related to the Oregon Trail somehow. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, I played it at um, primary school. Yeah, we right. Had it, we had it on the computers and it was really fucking hard. Yeah. So originally Oregon Trail was released as an edu game, only available to schools. Oh, right. Um, so only students and teachers could get it. And then it became so popular that they had a general public release uh, shortly after. I think in the same year. It was just like, wow, Oregon Trail real pops, really popping off. Let's let's sell this thing for realsies. Oh, shit. Um, 1992, a game called Unreal World came out, which you can still buy on Steam. Oh. It had a challenging open world, hunger and thirst meters, offset against exploring a harsh and unforgiving world. So it was like kind of open world thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Robinson's Requiem came out in the same year. Uh, oh, you could okay. amputate your limbs to fight infection, which I thought is pretty cool. Whoa, that's badass. Yeah, it's set in the first person and has inventory management and crafting. Wow, I don't, so, I don't know if I've seen limb amputation in a video game before. You know, no, except, <laughs> yeah. except from one game that I won't mention because it's a spoiler. But yeah, oh, that's right, right. like like as a mechanic, uh, that's that's pretty cool. That feels novel. Yeah, I was wrong. Sorry, it was 1994, not 1992. I just, oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, I forgot to write the date. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I know that there's like you know medical treating games you know where like your job the whole point in the game is to like treat stuff and so there's like amputations and stuff but oh, if yeah. it's a survival game where you're trying to cut off limbs or like i think in metal gear solid 3 you like have to fix a broken bone at some point which is really cool they don't oh, really yeah. do much with it but yeah you fix a broken bone yeah um yeah all that stuff is really cool i would love to see more of things like that where like you have a like you know in um what's it called Far Cry 3, I think you can have a broken finger. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, dude, like in Far Cry 3, I'm pretty sure there's like an animation for like your fucking bone coming out of your arm and you just like <laughs> wrap it wrap up, a bandage around it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you like go back to full health. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think he just like snaps his thumb back into place as well or whatever. Like and snap, yeah. that, that's how you heal. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, those, those two apparently, uh, Robinson's requirement and Unreal World sort of set us in good stead for the uh, am- amount of similar survival games that came out around during the 90s. Uh, in 2000s, 2003 specifically, Stranded came out. It had base building and some dinosaurs in it. Oh, my God. Is that the first Strand-type game? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it God. is. <laughs> um, in, in 2011, uh, Minecraft came out and that kind of really did the big doozy in terms oh. of survival boys. Yeah. The survival but, thing. And that's kind yeah. of all she wrote. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, it's so weird because Minecraft is fucking everywhere. It just feels like it's been out, you know, since we were born or something. Like it feels yeah. like it's been out way longer than 2011. Yeah. It kind of has that like oddly um like you seem to remember it from your childhood even though it wasn't in your childhood style thing yeah, um, yeah. and it's still really popular like uh there's heaps of there's like a insane modding scene for minecraft mm. um like every like it's, it's almost impossible to get minecraft without mods these days so <laughs> you play vanilla minecraft it's like kind of hard to do right, um, right. uh like Jamie's little sister Aria, or one of the most popular YouTubes, YouTubers called Afmau, uh, plays primarily Minecraft, modded Minecraft, where they make up their own little, little stories using mods. 
right. and uh, and uh, build have build challenges and stuff like that. So yeah, it's a uh, it's still around. People still making money off Minecraft. It's it's yeah. a wild time. Man, I remember when uh, was it Notch who created Minecraft? Yeah, when like he sold it to Microsoft for two billion dollars way back in the day. Yeah, and it was it was just like one of the biggest deals at the time. You know, two billion for like an indie game yeah. made by one person who had built it up. Um, and yeah, turns out like they got that shit for cheap. Hey. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I'd, I'd say that game makes more than $2 billion every year. Easy. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. And it's also for making sure. people that kind of money on the reg, you know, like Afmau, one of the biggest YouTubers in the whole world, I would, I dare say she would be approaching that style, that amount of money. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Well, like crazy money. When when we did those stats a while back, Afmau was at the top of the yeah. YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they're getting up there. Um, so, and then I just wrote a list of survival games here and little summaries of them just so people want to go check some out, they can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is from IGN's top 10 survival games list. So do, do <laughs> what right. you will with this order. I don't think I wrote it down in any particular order. And I think I actually left out a couple. So there you go. That's good. That's good. I, I promise I'm just going to sit here calmly and hear you read off the list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that. Uh, Rust. Uh, Rust is what the one. fuck? No, sorry, no. <laughs> I've, I've, I've not played Rust. Ah, so Rust is a hardcore survival multiplayer only experience where play other players and teams are out to kill you. Uh, it hit a huge stride in 2021 due to a popular popular streamer starting their role players role play servers on uh, on the game. Has All good right. mods, base building, and voice chat proximity style. So um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can run around and talk to people and, and you know smash them up. Uh, oh, and there's man. all sorts of cool crafting and base stuff in that game. Uh, so a bunch of mods. I've not heard of like proximity style voice chat. That's really cool. So like you can chat to anyone like on the same server as you, but you have to yep. be near them. Yeah, that's right. That is awesome. Yeah, and it gets louder as you approach them. So, um, modern, no, what's it called? Call of Duty, uh, the, the, what is it called? Warframe? No, no, Warframe? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Call of Duty, what's the game that everyone plays? The, oh, God. It's got war, it's war something. War, Mo war dudes. Uh, war dudes. Call of Duty, war dudes. <laughs> Christ, I have to look it up. Warzone. Warzone. There you go. That's oh, close. War dudes. Oh, so we have ones. a video game podcast, Scott. Like, <laughs> we have a video game podcast and we couldn't remember the name of Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, you said Warframe. So Warzone has proximity chat in it now as well. Mm. All right. I love that. I've, yes. Yeah. Other games really like cool. Tarkov also have proximity chat. And it's in several games, like first-person shooter style games. It's pretty cool. Right. Um, yeah. And it's not like always on. You have to press a button. I think Hunt actually also has proximity chat. Yeah, it does. It does. Oh, nice. So you can yell out to the hunters that are in the building, come on out and get put your hands in the air, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, sick. Uh, Grounded. We've talked about heaps. We won't say any more on Grounded. Uh, Valheim, a survival game with huge base building meta mixed with a series of hard-hitting unique bosses. Um, so it's more of like a boss rush style survival game where like when you've hit a certain level, you can go and fight that boss. Um, 
the This War of Mine, which is a story-based wartime setting, uh, civilian in a civil war kind of game uh, oh. with a, a fresh take on survival. And it's a side-scrolling game. So you go left to right. Right. Uh, that was actually one of the invisible games when we were rolling ah, the die a couple of months back. Because right. I've, I've heard This War of Mine being used... Um, to teach high schoolers about war. And I, like that really intrigued me, but I didn't know it was a survival game. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and in what capacity, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I imagine it has one of those things that we mentioned above and survival games needing to have, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it often shows up on lists of survival games. So there you go. Uh, no Man's Sky, which is, we talked about before, but I'll just read off what I've written here. A true underdog story, a huge sprawling infinite space game with staggering amount of features. You can do all sorts of galaxy hopping quests, learn languages of alien life, create fully stable, uh, fully sustainable auto resource farming base, sell your wares to gain infinite wealth, or just cruise around exploring the weird and wonderful wildlife. It also has multiplayer. Yeah, uh, wow. That's definitely not one that I would kind of describe as a survival game as like my knee jerk reaction. You know, if you totally. ask me about No Man's Sky, I'd be like, uh, oh, spaceship exploration break the economy lots of resources <laughs> but yeah like i suppose it does have all those survival pensions yeah it, it has a couple i mean it's got base building and it has meters you know you have to look mm. after your oxygen meter and whatever the other meter is yeah totally yeah um, yep uh subnautica uh which actually is a really cool game that i never finished a lone survivor on an alien world covered in ocean uh, has some really interesting stuff to do with oxygen and depth capacity of various things you craft, sort of gaining your progress and giving you goal to go deeper and, and, and unravel the mystery of the planet. Oh, I'm so keen on Subnautica. I, yeah. I actually saw that, like, if if you played Outer Wilds, the next big recommendation is Subnautica, Subnautica if you liked Outer Wilds. Right. Um, there's no multiplayer in Subnautica, but so that's kind of cool too. You're just kind of on your own. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, I, I played it a little bit. It is great. It's if you have the fear of being in the ocean, it's not for you because there's heaps of that, um, right. genuinely scary stuff coming at you from underneath the depths. Uh, and yeah, like I mentioned, it has this meter where it's like your, you know, your diving capacity only allows you to go so deep before mm. it starts not allowing you to be down any further without taking damage. And then there's like you know, underwater crafts that you can make that allow you to go deeper, but not all the way down. And then, you know, you, you eventually get to see what's at the bottom and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, so cool. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah. Great exploration in that game too. Uh, yeah. Very cool stuff. yeah. Um, don't starve together. Uh, has a sanity meter that ticks down when you're in the dark. Uh, and if you don't tend to your mental health, which is kind of the twist on that one, the Long Dark, a winter land hellscape where you're tasked with surviving wolves, bears, and all sorts of woodland creatures, has several different modes and challenges to keep the experience interesting, as well as a story mode. So, yeah, there's all sorts of... Uh, I think that was a cool one because it's like the developers were like, oh, story mode's here. Uh, we're going to keep making the story mode sort of like a... It's in beta style thing. But we've made these modes where it's harder or easier, or, you know, can sort of, sort of tailor your survival experience. Right. Yeah, I, um, I saw Jacob Geller do a video on The Long Dark. Yeah, it was like part of his Fear of Cold series or whatever. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, sounded awesome. It sounded like really hard, and you know, the the whole kind of appeal was around just uh, the kind of stress and challenge of you know getting as far as you can in a run, but like usually you're just overcome by cold or like you know an infection or something like that. But yeah, yep. it sounds sounds spooky and cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I also this isn't on the list here, but I also do want to re-mention Tarkov because Tarkov has a bunch of stuff like that. Like you can take bleeding damage, trauma to the head, blunt force damage, broken limbs, all of your limbs can break. You have to have the stuff on you to fix that stuff in the field. Otherwise your character is slowed or blinded or whatever, you know, like oh. all sorts of effects on the way you aim and move based on the sort of wound that you have. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Grizzly, yeah. but cool. Yeah. I like, like Grizzly injury systems are fucking cool. No question mm. about it. Mm. Yeah, I every time I think about Tarkov and what people play it, I'm like, I would I, if if I could get into this game, I think I would sink a lot of time in. But I've tried a couple of times, and I just can't seem to get past the insane difficulty and punishment in that game, and also the weapon system being, you know, super inscrutable and hard to understand if you're not a gun person. Right, I see. Um, and then Minecraft, which uh, we already talked about. So yeah, that's the list, and uh, and there you go. That's survival games, baby. Oh, no shit. All right. That was cool. I uh, didn't expect, like, health meters to go all the way back to 1982. Mm, mm. Oh, yeah. like hunger hunger meters, sorry, not health meters. Yeah, hunger and thirst. Pretty crazy, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. So that there you go. Fun times. Hell, <laughs> hell yeah. That's sick, man. Well, um, if you'll have any comments around survival games, or as I called them a couple of sessions ago, resource games... Uh, you can shoot us an email at it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com. Um, you got, you got any, anything closing to, or brain failing? Have you got any closing thoughts, Joe? <laughs> um, no, next week we're talking about our, um, uh, games club game, the Kentucky oh. route zero. So just a reminder, if you're, if you're listening along and playing along then to finish that game, uh, so we can have a little chit chat about it totally um, yeah really excited for that one really yeah. excited for that one yeah write in and let us know your thoughts about it i am not finished with it but um yeah i've, I've got some interesting thoughts on it already so keen to have a chat to you about it yeah yeah well it's um you know it's the first game for games club that is like focused on a narrative mm. you know the other the other two games were about the gameplay um, but yeah, this is, this is quite different. So yeah, definitely, definitely keen to chew on that with you. Hell yeah, man. Shall we right. close it out? Yeah. Well, we hope you'll have a lovely weekend and we'll chat to you all when it's almost the weekend again. See you later. Bye.